check, we'll take credit card. All right? We are not ashamed. All right? So uh, that'll be a little bit later. Let's take our Bibles tonight. We are in the life of Solomon, and I've kind of skipped around. Uh, we looked at the last message from Solomon, if anybody can remember back that far. We uh, looked at Solomon as he built the temple, and we likened that to building buildings for God. And uh, I, I brought out that, you know, really, there's no place in the New Testament where uh, Paul uh, encouraged Timothy or Titus or said, hey, this is how you build a building. Uh, and there, but I do believe in building buildings, and I believe in, uh, I believe in uh, keeping buildings up and making things look nice. And uh, this year, we will, uh, prob- we're gonna, our, uh, what's on our list this year is to uh, resurface the uh, parking lot again, to reseal it and to uh, uh, make it black and then restripe it. And let me tell you this, uh, TJ, who so, uh, I always say to TJ things like that, it's get me a price on that and uh, has done that, and basically because of inflation and time, it's tripled. It is actually tripled. The last time we did it was about $8,000, and now they're giving us a quote of about $23,000. But those are things that if you have buildings, you have to, you have to do things like that uh, because the parking lot needs to be resurfaced and all of those. And, but there's nowhere in the Bible and nowhere that I ever heard in Bible college, this, thus saith the Lord, this is how you build a building. This is what you do when you have to deal uh, with the county. And I'm going to tell you right now, Greene County, sometimes they can be... I remember when I went to uh, Johnson County, Missouri, and I uh, went there to... Uh, we were getting ready to build a building, about a, a thirteen or 14,000 square foot building, and I had the plans in my hand. And I had, I had to go to the commissioners, and they said that when I went up to tell them what we were doing... They said, Pastor Abels, this is Johnson County. You go over there and build whatever you want. And I'm like, glory, hallelujah. I came to Springfield. They don't say that. <laughs> they don't say that. But at the same time, we don't have it here like I've heard other preachers have it. Like in Washington and Arizona. And in Washington, just listen to this. In Washington, you're going to spend $100,000 before you ever put a shovel in the ground. And the worst thing we have to do is run off. Uh, I'm, I'm like, we have 20 acres, but they want to charge you $5,000 to come out and see if the water runs off your property correctly. Now, I don't know what you call that. I call it extortion. But anyhow, that's another one. <laughs> and those things are not found in the New Testament. Really, there's no... I mean, when you think about... And, and we're getting closer to that, that when you have young men going out and starting churches today, they're just looking for a place to meet with people. And there's storefronts, and we're blessed that we have these facilities and the properties that we have, but one thing is they have to be maintained and such as that. But if you go to the Old Testament, you'll find some principles in building. One of them is the tabernacle. Uh, One of them is uh, when Nehemiah comes back and rebuilds the walls. And uh, when they come back after captivity to rebuild the temple. But the greatest probably building project that you can find in all of the Bible was Solomon's temple. When he built that temple for the glory of God. But it was not just Solomon that built that temple. It was David his father who laid the groundwork for it. And raised much of the money and the materials that would be built. And so it's a glorious story and I may go back and look at it. But I want to, do, I want to go to 1 Kings chapter 10. In fact... 
I was rereading through the life of Solomon about Joab, and I may go back and preach about Joab, uh, may go back and, and done that, but we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 10 uh, tonight, and I'm going to look at Solomon. Now, everything that we have looked at Solomon so far has been basically the heart of Solomon in the beginning, the wisdom of Solomon that God gave him, but we, we would all hopefully be reminded from the messages before that I truly believe that the reason that God gave Solomon the wisdom that he did is because his heart was turned toward God. And as long as Solomon's heart was turned toward God, then God did a great work in his life and he had wisdom, he had wealth, he had riches. But Solomon had a problem and that problem was women. And he multiplied himself women and he brought in all kinds of women from all over the world and it became his downfall. So I want to preach tonight on this subject, how to have tragedy in your life. Now I'm going to help you tonight if you want your life to be turned upside down, if you want your life to be ruined, if you want your life to not be what God would have it to do, then listen to my message tonight and I can give you a great recipe on how to ruin your life. Now I think it's my responsibility to help people to know how to ruin their life. If you don't want to ruin your life, then listen to the story also and don't go the way that Solomon went. Now because this is such a long portion of scripture, I'm just going to have you remain seated, but I want to begin reading in 1 Kings chapter 10 in verse number 14. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was six hundred, three score, and six talents of gold. Beside that he had of the merchantmen and of the traffic of the spice merchants and of all the kings of Arabia and all the governors of the country. And King Solomon made two hundred targets of beaten gold. Six hundred shekels of gold went to one target. Can you imagine that? And he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three pounds of gold went into one shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest in Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with the best gold. The throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round behind. And there were stays on either side on the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the stays. And twelve lions stood over on one side and on the other upon the six steps. There was not the like made in any kingdom. This was impressive. And all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold. Anybody like that here tonight? If I was to come to your house, would you offer me a cup of coffee in a gold cup? No, that's exactly right. This is amazing. And all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. You know what this is saying? Not only was Solomon's house, all the instruments and the vessels gold, but over there where he had his summer place, or where over there where he would go sometimes, he also had that uh, gold. None were of silver. It was nothing accounted of the days of Solomon. For the king had a sea of navy for the king had a sea, a navy of Tarshish with the navy harem. Once in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. So, Solomon, so King Solomon 
exceeded all the kings of the earth for, for riches and wisdom. Is this not amazing that you read the, the, the wealth of Solomon? It's, over, it's almost overwhelming. In fact, we may go back and preach about the Queen of Sheba that when she came and she saw all this, the Bible says there was no spirit left in her. She couldn't believe what she was seeing. If she couldn't see what she was believing, I can't hardly believe sometimes what I'm reading. It's almost overwhelming. Verse number 24. And all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put in his heart. So number one, we could say in the message tonight that Solomon was very wealthy. And then when we read verse 24 uh, and verse 25, we see uh, they brought every man his present, vessels of silver, Vessels of gold and garments and armor and spices and horses and mules a rate year by year. Then we can say this in these two verses, not only did Solomon have great wealth, but Solomon had great wisdom. Everybody with me? And the Bible goes on to say, and Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots, twelve thousand horsemen, whom he bestowed in the cities for chariots with the king at Jerusalem. And the king made silver uh, to, um, to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as the sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt, linen yarn. The king's merchants received the linen yarn at a price. And a chariot came up and went out of Egypt for six hundred shekels of silver, and a horse for a hundred and fifty. And so for all the kings of the Hittites and for the kings of Syria did they bring them by their means. Now, if we were to stop at reading right there, we'd go, wow. Solomon had great wealth, and Solomon had great wisdom. Here's the problem. Solomon had too many wives. Let me just make a statement right now. One is enough. One period, no more. Son, why, who, why would you want two of those th- things? One is enough. Come on now. Don't leave me yet. These wives are going to be the downfall of Solomon. This is how to have tragedy in your life. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 11. Because I don't know about you, but in my heading, and I know the headings are not uh, inspired But in my heading, in my Bible, here's what it says. Solomon's heart turned away from Jehovah. Do you understand how important it is to be influenced with the right people? And don't ever think that you're that one person, you're that one person that you can't be influenced by the wrong people. Solomon was influenced by these women. Notice this. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and the Hittites, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, all right, God said, this is what I've told Israel, ye shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you, For surely, for surely, they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these women in love. 
And he had 700 wives, princes, 300 concubines. And here's what I want you to get a hold of tonight. His wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. And because of these women that Solomon had, the Bible says that he went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And then it, go, and then it goes so far that the influence of these women was such that Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as David his father. Then did Solomon, it, go, it just keeps digressing and going downward as we continue to read the text. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that, uh, that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burned incense and sacrificed unto their gods. Solomon was wealthy. Solomon had wisdom, but Solomon had wives. Vance Habner summarized Solomon's life by, like this with this statement, and I quote, premiered in wisdom, peaked in wealth, and perished in women. Lord, I pray tonight that we would understand that we're all influenced by those that we allow to come into our life. That Solomon lived a great life of wealth and a great life of wisdom, but was destroyed because he decided to take these women and try to make a feminine, and, uh, and, and they ended up influencing him beyond how he influenced these women. God, I pray tonight that we might understand the principle that we find in this passage of Scripture, that tragedy could come into our life. And it could be said of us, we used to do that. They used to go to church. They used to read their Bible. Uh, they used to serve God. They used to do this. We could say of Solomon that he was one who turned his heart toward God and then he turned his heart away from God. Help us, Lord, tonight in this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When you, don't, when you fall down, falling down does not make you a failure, but staying down there can. When we fall down, we need to be willing to get back up. When we sin or when we transgress the law of God or when we backslide or get away from God, we don't have to stay there, especially as a child of God. We do not have to stay there. One of the most rewarding treasures of the ministry for me is to watch people get saved, grow in the Lord, come to maturity, uh, be able to uh, see others come to the Lord. I mean, uh, watch them grow in the grace and the nurture of the Lord. I love that. To be able to uh, baptize uh, those tonight 
uh, that have uh, grown up in our church. What an amazing blessing that is. And praise God for a, a ministry to stay in one place for long enough to see not only parents saved, but their children saved and maybe their grandchildren saved. I mean, I'm just telling you, I'll be overwhelmed tonight. Uh, to baptize my granddaughter and Hudson and CJ and watch what God has done in their life. There is no greater joy than to see people grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. There is no greater thing to watch young couples as they get married and they begin to grow in the Lord and then eventually have uh, their own families and their own children. It's even a blessing to watch old people have children. What can I say? I'm just telling you, it's a, it's a blessing. One of the joys of the ministry is being able to go and hold the baby and get your picture taken, even if it talks to you when it comes out of the womb. I'm just telling you, it's amazing. It's a blessing. It is a major blessing. I just want to say that out loud. But on the other hand, on the other side of that coin, one of the most disappointing and discouraging things that a preacher can face is to see people who used to do something for God who no longer do anything for God. People who used to be in church are no longer in church. I just want you to know that does not nothing for me but to break my heart. To see people who used to do this or used to do that. Uh, uh, I, I used to go on visitation. I used to serve God. Uh, and now many times they're not even in church. We we could go back to the 23 years I've been here and the people that used to serve God. It's a heartbreaking situation. So there is the good side of ministry, the blessings of ministry, and then there is the disappointments and the discouragements. And you could even see that if you wanted to, ser- if you wanted to uh, study the life of Moses and how Moses saw great victories and he saw men like Joshua and Caleb who wanted to serve God. He, he saw uh, many of the people who wanted to go in the land, but then there were those who did not and those who brought disappointment and those who came against Moses. But uh, when Korah in number 16 came against Moses, what a heartbreak that was. Well, what about when his own sister and his own brother came against him? Because he had married the Ethiopian woman, and I don't want to go into that. But if you ever, you ever said, you ever said, uh, hey, listen, why don't you uh, ask people about who was the Ethiopian woman? Because he married a uh, the woman that he married was on the backside of the desert. She was not Ethiopian. And the Bible doesn't say that, but you can go into secular history and you can find out that Moses, when he went to Ethiopia, that he uh, was the captain of the guard of the nation of uh, Egypt and that he uh, did great exploits for the Pharaoh and that he was a a man that was very well educated and very well looked upon. I read Josephus who said that when Moses walked down the, uh, the streets of Egypt, people stopped to look at him. He was such a beautiful specimen. I mean, Moses was quite the character. And uh, I remember uh, going down to uh, Sight and Sound. And I've always enjoyed those, except Moses, when they made him out to be a stuttering fool. It made me mad. And I almost got up and walked out because the Bible says about Moses that he was a mighty man Amen. in stature and wisdom and did he, he was not a stuttering fool. 
Just because he argued with God at the bush did not make him stutter. He just said, God, I don't want to do what you're calling me to do. God, I want to reject what you're calling me to do. And God would not allow that, but then he put Aaron in his life to make him more miserable than he was before he had Aaron. And that's a whole different message I'm not preaching. But the point is, is Moses had two wives. He had the Ethiopian wife that he had married earlier in his life and we have no idea. Somehow when they're out in the wilderness, somehow when they're out there, uh, this, this, uh, this thing comes up about the Ethiopian woman and, uh, and, and God said, who are you to speak against Moses? Because they said, well, is Moses the only one that can talk to God? Is Moses the only one? And God said at this point, yes, who do you think you are? And the next thing you know, Miriam's got leprosy. Do you not, let me ask you this. Do you not think that was a great disappointment to Moses? That they had to put his sister outside the camp for a week because she's got leprosy? And that, God, that Moses got on his face before God and begged God uh, to bring her back to her health and he did? I'm just telling you, there's the good side of ministry and there's the not so good side of ministry. There's the Solomon who loved God and wanted to serve God, and God gave him wisdom. And then there's the Solomon who decided that he would do what all kings of the world do. That's to make treaties with other people by marrying their daughters and their women uh, from these different uh, nations so that he can make himself uh, more powerful. Let me ask you this. Don't you think God could have taken care of that? This was not the will of God. This was not the will of God. And the result of Solomon in the end was that he could have been a greater... And by the way, it always shows up in the children. And when Rehoboam comes on the scene to become the next king, uh, he's got a bad attitude because his daddy had a, had a wrong way with women and it caused him to split the kingdom of Israel. And then for the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the kings and the prophets... We're going to have to read about Judah and Israel. Israel to the north who'd never had a good king and Judah to the south who'd have a good king and a bad king and a good king and a bad king and such as that. That all came from Solomon's disobedience to God. Let's see because if you look at David, even though David sinned greatly, David repented greatly and said to his son, read the Proverbs if you want to see the things that David told Solomon, but the result in the end was that Solomon's heart was turned away from God. You know, it's amazing to me how people, how quickly people can change and how quickly people can turn away from truth and how quickly people can turn their heart away from God, just like that. COVID proved it to me. COVID. Well, we can't go to church anymore. Really? Really? Well, we'll come, we'll come back, you know, when COVID goes away. Hey, I don't know that COVID's ever going to go away. I don't know if the flu's ever going to go away. I don't know if the virus is ever going to go away. I'm not going to quit shaking people's hands. You say, well, preacher, you need to more, be more cautious. Whatever. If that's the way you want to live your life, go ahead. Quit reading the news and serve God. How about that? But here's what I'm trying to get a hold of you tonight. If you want tragedy to come into your life... All you need to do, listen to this young people, if you want to have tragedy in your life, just turn your heart away from God and get involved with people that you should not be involved with. 
Now, I've got, I've got my personal testimony that when I was a teenager, I was going along real fine until I got in with the wrong crowd. And my influence didn't help them. Their influence took me in the wrong direction. Everybody listening to me tonight? I'm telling you, you're not the exception to the rule. Well, I can fellowship with who I want to. I can go with where I want to. I can date who I want to. I can marry who I want to. It'll be okay. No, it will not. Solomon had wealth. Solomon had wisdom, but his pride led him to the place where he thought he could overcome all of these women, and they they were heathen women. They were heathen unbelievers. These women were not people that Solomon should have been friends with, much less marry them. He should not even have been friends with them. Solomon was blessed when his heart was turned toward God, but his pride in the women was his tragedy. And I know that if you read the history of the Oriental life of the Eastern culture, that Solomon was doing uh, what all the kings of the earth were doing, but, but God's people are different than everybody else. And they should not do it the way that the world is doing it. And I'm telling you, if you go back to the law, you're going to find out Solomon broke almost every commandment that God said if a man becomes king. He said, first of all, don't multiply himself wives. Don't multiply himself horses. Don't go down to Egypt to get horses. You know what that means when it says something like that? It means this, don't go to the world to look for success. I will give you the success that you need. Up until this time, Solomon had done well. People are bringing him tribute. The nation of Israel is very high. Solomon had peace. He had great provisions. He was wealthy. His power was unlike anybody else. He was looked upon uh, because of his wisdom. But then he turned his, his heart away from God. Satan will always strike when you're on the mountaintop. When you think that you put yourself there. You didn't put yourself there. God put you there, Solomon. When you're on the mount, Elijah had a great victory against the prophets of Baal, and the next thing you know, he's running from Jezebel. It happened, and in in Solomon's life, it happened in the form of his wives. Solomon took wives to secure treaties between these countries and foreign kings, and basically what you could say is that his triumph led to his tragedy. His wives turned his heart away from the Lord. The Bible makes that very clear in the text that we read. Look at verse number 3 of of 1 Kings chapter 11. Basically, he talks about 700 wives, princes, 300 concubines, and then it just says this, and his wives turned away his heart. His wives turned his heart after acceptance of other gods. And you know what happened? They had, listen to this. They had so much influence on Solomon, the next thing you know, he's building buildings for them. He had built a great building for God. Now he's building buildings for Chemosh and Molech because that's what his wives wanted him to do. And, you know, after all, listen, you know what? Man up. If your wife wants to build an idol to Chemosh, tell her, no, we're not going to do that. Ashtaroth, look, look at some of these associations and these influences. Ashtaroth was the goddess of immorality and, and that immorality was involved in the worship. It also had to do with the worship of the stars and the horoscopes and worshiping the moon 
And we got those people doing that today. We got people worshiping everything today. We got people worshiping the environment. We got people worshiping the earth. Uh, we got people thinking that uh, you know that that uh, the uh, global warming didn't work, so they changed it to climate change. And now we got more snow in California than wherever. I don't know what they'll do now. Now they say, oh, well, the reason we got all this coldness is because of all the global warming. How that's cuckoo, cuckoo. When God read is God when God is ready for global warming, He'll tell you. In fact, he'll burn up the earth and he'll build new heavens and new earths. Molech was the fire god. Worship to this god involved human sacrifices, especially children. That Today we call that abortion. And we abort children because I'm not ready to have a child. If you're ready to have sexual relationships, then you better be ready to have a child. And I'm just telling you, today, people abort their children because they're not ready to have children or they don't want children. I, I, I'm telling you, that's beyond my comprehension. And yet we have many people uh, that if, you, if they hear this message, they'll go, ah, ah, what do you mean? Ah, you're killing babies. That's like sacrificing to the God of Molech. And that's what they did. They sacrificed their children to try to... Uh, Appease the gods. Today people are sacrificing their children to try to appease the gods of their, of their uh, uh, flesh and, and, uh, and their wealth because, you know, kids are inconvenient. Yeah, that's right. Then quit having them. Amen. They're a blessing from the Lord. Amen. Leviticus 18.21 says, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Chemosh was the sun god, and the God of war. Worship this God was, by the way, very cruel. How did Solomon get to this point? How does any of people get to the point where they used to serve God and their heart was turned to God? Hey, listen, influence. Influence. Why? Well, I'll never, you know, people are not going to influence me. Yes, they will. I just want to stand up here and scream. Be careful who your associations are with. These are lessons that will make uh, you know, Solomon's heart turning away from God. Listen to this. Here's a, here's a lesson. If you compromise truth and surrender to sin spiritually, you'll be defeated and your heart will turn away from God. And man, it happens quick. God's instruction for kings is found in Deuteronomy 17. Go to there real quick. Don't leave your spot here. But I think this is good if we see this. Deuteronomy 17. Because he violated all of these because of the influence of these women. In Deuteronomy 17, uh, let's see here. Let's go to verse 14, 17, 14. Here is in the law concerning, again, this is my heading in my Bible, concerning a king. You know God knew that they would eventually uh, reject him and want a king. God knew that, so here's what God said. Well, when y'all reject me as your king and you want a king like everybody else, let me give you some instructions. And by the way, here's something. The kings, the kings were supposed to write these things out. Like they were supposed to write the Word of God out so they could be reminded, what does the Bible say? How should I be as a leader? Uh, all, all these kind of things. So in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14, the Bible says, When thou come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like, all, like as all the nations that are, are about me, thou shalt not in any wise set him king over thee whom the Lord thy God... Let me read that again. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee whom the Lord thy God shall choose 
One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee, that thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. So basically he says, don't allow a king to be outside of your family, outside of the Israelite family. All right? And then make sure you consult God on like who, who should be the king. And then it says this, look at verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses to himself. Did Solomon do that? Yeah, we just read about all the chariots and the horses and where he got them from. And he says, oh, by the way, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Then he says this in verse 17, another violation of what Solomon has done. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself. Why? God, why did God say this in Deuteronomy? That his heart turned not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priest of Levites. In other words, uh, the king needs to write all these things down so he don't forget what God told him to do. But yet, if he did, he did exactly what God told him not to do. Amen. He multiplied horses and he multiplied wives. And those wives influenced him. So that he ended up building buildings and serving gods like Chemosh and Ashtaroth and such as this. When we disobey God, we will always surrender areas of our heart to Satan. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. You cannot surrender ground to Satan, your thought life, your appetites, your habits, because if you do, you're going to be influenced to go in the wrong direction. Here's another lesson. If you get involved in the wrong crowd, your heart will turn away from God. You get involved with the wrong crowd, your heart will turn away from God. Well, this won't happen to me. Yes, it will. You're not the exception. God intends for a wife to be a helpmeet, not to be a, a token. Not, not something that he can put on his shelf to say, hey, look what I've done because I'm King Solomon. Because Solomon's wives turned his heart from God. Now think about this. Think about otherwise. Job's wife said, curse God and die. Boy, what a blessing she was. God's people are not to date, marry, go into partnerships with unbelievers because they will influence you. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Biel? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth in chapter 6. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and will be their God. They shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We are not to run around with the wrong crowd of people, even if they claim to be a Christian. Mark those that cause division among you. Everybody hear that? Mark them. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 5, But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetousness or idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. With such a one, no, don't even eat with them. That's what it says, or not to eat. You know why? Because it'll bring shame. Whosoever keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shall, be, uh, shall, men shall shameth his father. 
Peter said it like this, Ye therefore, beloved, see you know these things before. Beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Another lesson, it'll corrupt your character. Paul said this to the Corinthians, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You know what the warning of that is? That they should not be deceived about the danger of bad company. The word company means an association of people, but it also has to do uh, 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 of the connotation of a lecture or a sermon. It seems possible, therefore, that the Corinthians were both listening to wrong teaching, wrong association, wrong, and, and, and there were people that were saying there is no resurrection of the dead, and Paul said, don't hang out with those people. Whether the teaching was a formal message or not, they're, they were corrupting themselves by being around those people that they shouldn't be around. If your heart is being turned away from God by the company you're keeping, find new company. And Solomon, so, let's, another lesson. If Solomon was so wise, I've often thought about this. All right, think about it. If Solomon was so wise, why did he turn from God? Here's the answer. Because he didn't apply his own wisdom to his life. He did not apply his... When the preacher gets up and preaches, he better apply the message to himself and also to the people that he's preaching to. It's one thing to know it, but it's another thing to do it. If your heart is going to be in the right place, you must have a desire and a will to obey God. I'll tell you another lesson that should be learned from Solomon's life here. Solomon failed when he got comfortable. When he was older, he had self-confidence and he became prideful and thought he could just walk through the motions. I've always done it this way. I've always done this. That's why I'm telling you, Terry Randolph down at the GIBF meeting, if you haven't had a chance, he preached a great message. I believe Terry's 71 or 72. He talked about, hey, just because you're old don't mean you can't st- you, you're not to be studying the Bible. Amen. Can't get comfortable. He got comfortable. It's possible he said, look what I've done. Look what I've done. Well, none of us are above falling away. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't doesn't matter how long you've been around. We need to keep growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. We should not be the same today as we were last year. And we should not be the same at the end of this year as we are right now. We should be growing. Listen, you read through the Bible, you read through the Bible again, 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 you're going to get something every time. I was just reading something in my Bible. I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible, but man, it's like jumped right out of the page, and I'm like, well, it's always, always been there. And you know what? When I come around on the next time, it'll still be there. We need to guard our heart. We need to be careful of our associations because you become who you hang around. This goes for young people, and it goes for old people. Solomon was influenced by the multitude of wives that he allowed into his life. It's always amazing to me, but the bad apple always destroys the good apple. Amen. You cannot put a bad apple in a barrel of good apples and say, well, them, all them good apples are going to fix that bad apple. Next thing you know, they'll all be rotten. Influence is a powerful thing. That's why you need to marry the right person, that your friends are the right person, hang around godly people, help you go in the right direction. Solomon basically didn't follow God's plan and it brought tragedy. Follow God's plan.
Let's stand tonight, every head bowed.